Welcome back to Atlanta and the Eye on the Tigers podcast. I'm Dave Matter from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch and STLToday.com. Our eyes are off the Tigers for now. Day two of SEC Football Media Days has just wrapped up. We're recording this Tuesday evening, uh, just before the Major League Baseball All-Star Game. We heard from four coaches today, uh, a lot of the same topics that we heard on Monday and we'll probably hear again on Wednesday and Thursday. But uh, up today was Alabama, Vanderbilt, South Carolina, and uh, Mississippi State. We'll, we'll recap what each of those coaches had to say, hit on some of the highlights um, but before that, on our first podcast from Atlanta, I said we'd take some reader questions. And then, of course, I forgot to get to those. So we're going to have a mulligan here and uh, t- take a shot at a few questions that you submitted on Twitter and Facebook. We might do this again later in the week, too, while I'm still here. Uh, okay, so first question from Arrows for Apples. Who becomes Eli Obi-Wan Drinkwitz's new nemesis after the de- demise of Dan Darth Vader Mullen, who was still alive, just not coaching in the SEC? Um, I'm going to stick with the Star Wars theme here. If you're not a Star Wars fan, just uh, gut this one out for a few minutes. If, if you look at the tension between Florida and Missouri the last two years, it's sort of a question of who shot first, Greedo or Han Solo? Um, and I'm going to say it was Dan Mullen because he, he's the one that ticked off Drinkwitz and Mizzou for his antics, you know, and during the brawl in the, in the 2020 game in Gainesville and, uh, what Eli did last year with the lightsaber gag and the hood after the win in Columbia, that was all just a reaction to what Mullen did with the, with the Darth Vader mask and all of that in, in 2020. So he, Eli really wasn't picking a fight. He was just extending it and then he, he made some uh some comments on radio interview after that just kind of kicking Mullen when he was down so I'm not sure there's gonna be a sequel with with another coach out there um that that Eli is gonna you know pick a fight with he, he's not he's not gonna punch down to Clark Lee at Vanderbilt uh he, he's not gonna rip you know some of his older, more established peers in the SEC, like a Nick Saban or a Jimbo Fisher or Mark Stoops or Mike Leach, um, not maybe Brian Kelly at LSU, because I know that you know Eli's not happy that he lost Makai Wingo to LSU. But uh, again, Brian Kelly's an established winning coach. I, I don't see, and, and Missouri's not playing LSU anytime soon, so I, I don't see him going there. Um, and he's not going to go after coaches whose teams, you know, <laughs> beat his team badly last season so that that rules out Sam Pittman Josh Heupel Kirby Smart uh, so that leaves us with Brian Harson, Auburn's coach but he's he's Eli's former boss at, at two different schools he's not going to rip him uh, we got Lane Kiffin who he, he, they trade their jabs back and forth on Twitter they seem to be chummy to some degree how about South Carolina Shane Beamer uh, I don't really see that I don't know anybody that doesn't like Shane Beamer and then you've got new Florida coach Billy Napier and uh, I don't really see an upside to picking a fight with with Billy Um, I don't think anybody should fight Billy Napier he seems like he could uh, like he could fight anybody in this league so bottom line I don't see Eli Drinkwitz picking fights with anybody in this conference Uh, when the Eli who was here on Monday he wasn't throwing jabs at any coaches he's uh, his focus was elsewhere he's upset with kind of the direction of college football and college athletics. So uh, I, I don't see any jabs coming in the future unless somebody shoots first. 
Okay, Tim asks, two schools, one can't be Notre Dame that you would pick to join the SEC if they were going to expand. Well, Clemson is the, is the one that jumps out. I think they would enhance the league as a football conference because it's a, you know, it's a national brand. It's won national titles recently and they, they fit in the footprint right there in the, in the state of South Carolina. Um, in Florida State, Miami are their obvious choices. Uh, a lot of the same reasons, national brands, they've won championships and, uh, and they fit, you know, in the, in the geography. Um, what about the two Virginia schools? I don't know if they would be tethered together, but Virginia Tech is a good football tradition, a very solid hoops program. Uh, Virginia basketball, obviously, is an elite program. Uh, football is, they, they're relevant from time to time. Great academic institution, obviously. Um, one, one program I respect a lot, and this is, I don't know, probably a long shot, is, is Oklahoma State. Uh, they don't come from a big market, but as long as Mike Gundy is the head coach there, uh, they're going to be relevant in football. Uh, always good, always competitive. He's had some top 10 teams there. I think it's a, a really good underrated fan base. And, uh, and also, I, I think in, in Mizzou's best interest, it, it moves the league a little bit west and at least gives Missouri, you know, another familiar Midwest team. But I, I don't know what's going on with Oklahoma State and the, and the Big 12. And um, I don't know, you know, what the appetite would be for, for adding the Cowboys if, if, uh, if the SEC does indeed decide to expand. Uh, but that would be my choice. Okay, Marcus asked, if you had to pick one current Mizzou athlete and one former to pick out your outfit for a media day, who would it be and why? Uh, hard pass here. I'm a 43-year-old man, and I don't want a college kid dressing me. Uh, I, I do just fine in that department. I think I've got, I've got some nice Banana Republic pants on today, my B-reps. got some Cole Haan original grand shoes. Brought some nice shirts down to Atlanta. Um, I'm very anti-slob in, in the press box when it comes to attire, so I, d I don't need help from any, from any college kids. I could have used a jacket today, though. It is bitterly cold in the media room at SEC Media Days. I should have learned my lesson from a few years ago when, when uh, the event was here in Atlanta, so I might be in the market for uh, something with longer sleeves. Okay, Marv asks, will the SEC jettison some schools to replace with better ones? And if so, are we on that list? Uh, no, I, I don't see that happening. And just for the record, I looked up the SEC bylaws. Here's what it says about terminating members, which has not happened in the SEC. Membership may be terminated voluntarily by the resignation of a member or involuntary at a meeting of the chief executive officers, a vote of at least two thirds of the members is required to terminate membership. So two thirds of 14, you got to round up, that's actually 10. And it's not really 10 of 14, it would be 10 of 13 because I don't think anybody would vote to terminate themselves. So you're gonna have to find 10 schools in the current membership to vote you out. I, I, again, I don't see the upside um, to removing Missouri from the SEC. Uh, they've won more division championships than a handful of teams that have been in the SEC for a long, for much longer than Missouri has. So um, I don't see that happening. Okay. Phil asked, how long can drink keep prodding and talking smack without backing it up on the field a bit more? Well, if you read my coverage from Monday's session, there wasn't any smack talking from, from Eli Drinkwitz. Um, 
again, he really focused his criticism on kind of the powers that be in college sports and this direction that, that college sports are heading with, with some of the trends that have happened lately. So uh, I, I, I haven't heard any smack talk lately. And that's not to say there won't be any in the future, but um, that's not the Eli that, that I uh, was around on Monday for sure. Okay, Jim asked, now that we're reasonably certain Sam Horn will be wearing the black and gold this fall, uh, just an update, the MLB draft is over and Sam Horn was not selected. Uh, how do you assess his chances of starting either on September 1st or at some point this season? I'd be really surprised if he wins the starting job to start the season. Uh, Drinkwitz has put so much emphasis on experience uh, at the quarterback position with those three early road games. I mean, he brings it up all the time, early road games at Auburn, Kansas state and Florida. Uh, he really values experience at that position, especially when you're playing in tough road environments and Sam would be the least experienced on the roster. Um, especially when it comes to learning the playbook and running a college offense. Now, Jack Abraham is also new to the program. He's also seven years older than, than Horn. He's, played for multiple teams. He's run multiple offenses. Uh, I, I think, you know, just the comments that Drinkwitz made earlier in the week still kind of leads me to believe that Abraham has a great shot at being the September 1st starter because of that experience. But but could Horn overtake the older guys at some point? Maybe. I think that's possible. Um, but if he does, that probably means whoever is starting is, is, is struggling and the team is losing. Otherwise, you know, what's the point of making a change? Uh, so we'll see whole lot of football to to be played and uh we'll, we'll see how that develops It'll, it's the most interesting you know storyline of this team for sure all right kevin asked how thrilled are you that the sec media days is in atlanta rather than hoover I, i'm not i like hoover got a couple good restaurants there uh you could take a stroll through the mall when you when you need to get away from the scene the, the hotel there where the event has always been held is inside of a mall or attached to a mall um, you've got a couple pool halls that were part of an infamous story involving a bunch of sports writers in a paddy wagon that I will not get into. I'll save that one for the memoirs. Uh, but if you are listening and you know, you know what I'm talking about. I'll just leave it at that. Uh, so I, I, I do like Hoover. Atlanta's a real easier to get to from St. Louis as far as getting a direct flight than Birmingham is these days, but um, I'll take Hoover any day. All right. Today, Tuesday, uh, Nick Saban was first up, and I wrote about this in my story, but I've got to pass it along. Uh, we've had bad weather here on Tuesday. The sun is out as I'm recording this, but um, just downpour at the College Football Hall of Fame, and you could just hear the, the, the rain just crashing down on the roof, and then the thunder started rolling in. But I'm not kidding. The minute Nick Saban stepped to the lectern on the stage, it all went away, and you know, I'm, I'm stealing from my own story, but it led to a great question from the great Bob Holt of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette, who asked Nick Saban, do you, do you actually control the weather also? And, and Nick laughed and said, no, I don't think so. But um, it set up a perfect lead for, well, not perfect, but good enough for, I'm sure, many writers in the room. Uh, anyway, uh, Saban's uh, comments were rather tame. He usually kind of comes with an agenda and kind of climbs on a soapbox and really uh, attacks it hard, but I didn't really sense that from him today. He wasn't even asked about the Jimbo Fisher back and forth from earlier in the spring. I imagine because 
he addressed it back at the SEC spring meetings in Destin and anybody who's wanting to write about it was either probably there or um, knew what he was going to say and not very much. Uh, his one comment that turned some heads seemed to be about uh, Alabama players made $3 million in NIL earnings last year. I don't know. That didn't really um, surprise me very much. If anything, I, I thought maybe that was a low figure. Uh, it's, it's hard to tell with, with, with any of these numbers when it comes to NIL earnings, but that generated more talk about NIL throughout the day. Um, you know, Saban clearly wants some regulation like most of these coaches do, but I, I didn't really hear any great solutions. Um, as far as his team goes, you know, I, again, I already wrote this and you can read about it at stltoday.com, but the scariest Nick Saban teams are the ones who came off of a, a disappointing finish. And we know that happened last year uh, when, when Georgia won the national championship and, and beat Alabama in the title game. Uh, his teams historically come back and have great, great years and usually end up winning the national championship after a disappointing finish. And his team this year is absolutely loaded. We say that every year, but this year especially. I mean, he arguably has the two best players in college football, both of whom were uh, in Atlanta on Tuesday, uh, Bryce Young and Will Anderson Jr., who could both be top five picks in the NFL draft next year. So uh, there's a reason Alabama is the big-time favorite to win the national championship years this year, uh, like there are most years, but it's a scary team. All right, next up was that you go from one extreme to the other. Vanderbilt was up next. Clark Lee, God bless him. He had an incredibly long opening statement, um, 3,000 words almost, according to the transcription. And uh, I'm not sure a whole lot of folks were paying attention to all 3,000 of those words. And he was followed by Mike Leach from Mississippi State, whose opening statement was literally two words, any questions. And he, he said later he's got a real distaste for opening statements because you end up just repeating yourself and nobody wants that. So I, I admire Lee's ambition. He talked about building Vanderbilt into the best program in the SEC. Um, they haven't won an SEC game in three years. I don't need to mention to anybody listening to this who, who that win was against. But they did just sign the best class in team history. Uh, there's a lot to like about Clark Lee, uh, coached under Brian Kelly at Notre Dame, and he's, he's been part of winning programs, winning culture. But, man, he's, he's, he's up against it at Vanderbilt, like most coaches who have coached there are. So, uh, so that was the extent of my takeaway from Vandy. Uh, Leach, he shared that he's all caught up with some of his favorite shows, Yellowstone and Better Call Saul, he mentioned. Those are two of my favorites, too. Uh, and I, I really found that impressive because Saul had a new episode Monday night, and he said this Tuesday morning. So I assume that means he watched Monday night's episode, which I have not seen yet. So thankfully, he did not spoil what happened because we're inching closer to the finale there, and nobody needed any spoilers. Um, otherwise, Leach kind of rambled on about NAL, NIL. I, I was following along, but he lost me on, on some of his points. Uh, I thought his most compelling point was, uh, and I'll, I'll go find the quote. He, he said, go to your favorite NFL guy. Say, hey, I heard in the NFL they're going to have unmitigated free agency, 365, 24-7. And by the way, there's not going to be any salary cap or draft. You're just going to have bidding wars. And then just watch the expression on their face. Don't look at anything else or write down any notes because their expression on their face will be well worth it. I thought that kind of put into perspective what college coaches are facing right now. And it's unlike anything 
you, you face in the NFL where you don't have free agency every year for every player, you know, 12 months a year, um, you do have salary caps. Um, you know, in the NFL, the worst teams are rewarded with the top picks in the NFL draft. It doesn't work like that, obviously, in, in college football where the rich just get richer. Um, so, you know, again, more compelling criticism of the system that, that, that has taken over college sports. But again, I, I didn't really hear any great solutions. And maybe it's not up to the coaches to come up with the solutions, but uh, we're not hearing a whole lot from, from anyone else on that, that that really moves the needle. Speaking of the needle, last we heard from Shane Beamer, and, and the, the buzzword with South Carolina is, is buzz. I mean, because their fans are excited. He's coming into his second year. He brings a lot of energy, a lot of positive energy. I mean, you watch Shane Beamer, you listen to him. It's hard not to, to like the guy. Um, I bet he's great on the recruiting trail. He has recruited pretty well, especially with the transfer portal. He's got this fresh personality. They really exceeded expectations last year. They went seven and six. Uh, they beat up on some teams that were struggling, beat up on Auburn and Florida, uh, beat North Carolina in their bowl game, the Dukes Mayo Bowl and really didn't lose to anybody except teams they were expected to lose to. Uh, so he's kind of in that honeymoon phase still and reminds me of Mizzou going into Eli Drinkwitz's second season, uh, you know, coming off that five and five SEC only COVID year where had a couple upsets and was recruiting really well, but, but the luster comes off a little bit in year two when you have some tough losses. So we'll see how, South Carolina handles year two when all of a sudden there's going to be a little bit higher expectation for, for, for Shane Beamer in that program. And, and the schedule, man, I think there's a chance they could start off 0-4 in the SEC and nothing will kill that buzz like an 0-4 start. They just count conference games here. They open at Arkansas. Then um, they get Georgia at home. Then they go to Kentucky. And they get Texas A&M at home. Uh, and then, you know, the, I think the first conference game that they'll be favored to win is probably Missouri. And that's not until October 29th. And again, who knows if they're 0-4, Missouri starts off hot. Um, the Tigers might be favored to win in Columbia, South Carolina. So we'll see. Again, we're getting way ahead of ourselves. But, um, you know, there's definitely, there's definitely a buzz with South Carolina's program. And uh, it's all based on what happened last year and just the additions they've made. Spencer Rattler's the big one, quarterback from Oklahoma. Um, but we'll see. It's a, we know this league is a grind. All right, so that was Tuesday. Wednesday, day three, the champs are here. Georgia makes the quick 70-mile trek from Athens to, uh, to come here and talk about defending the national championship. So Kirby Smart and his players will be here along with Arkansas. Sam Pittman will be in the house. He's in the morning session along with uh, along with Kirby Smart and Georgia. And then in the afternoon, we get one of the SEC rookies, Billy Napier in Florida, along with Mark Stoops in Kentucky. So it should be an interesting day with, with, with Napier. I'll be interested to see just how he handles the moment. Um, you know, just first SEC. He's, he's been on SEC staffs, but his first time at SEC Media Days as, as a head coach. So that will be something to check out for sure. Uh, I've got stories up uh, at stltoday.com, or they should be up later this evening, definitely by the morning on, uh, on Alabama. We've got a notebook leading off with 
more from Shane Beamer on on, uh, on Spencer Rattler and the, uh, the the makeover, the do-over that Rattler is getting in the SEC. So that's it. That'll do it again for, for Wednesday's recap. As always, subscribe to the podcast. If you haven't already, leave a comment. Uh, maybe we'll do some more questions and Q&As uh, for the next edition after Wednesday's session. But until next time, have a great day. Have a great night. We'll see you soon.